In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I thank His Eminence for the prayers that were uh, done today in church, bearing in mind that whatever work we do, always we must ask God's blessing. And unfortunately, Christians of today tend to forget and they begin work, whether it's to get married, or whether it's the study, or whether it's a new job, or anything in their life, we forget, some people don't, there are Christians of course who know, forget to get the blessing from God so that everything goes well according to God's will. Today's talk, I'm going to attempt to discuss some important points, but I don't like just speaking about theological things because a lot of people say to me, we hear a lot of talks that are theological, a lot of talks that are deep, but those talks do not touch us a lot of times because they don't uh, relate to our lives. Yeah, I find it, uh, it's actually, to use the word demonic, to try to present orthodoxy outside of one's life. So, orthodoxy is life. And life is in the world. That is, whether you have children, or whether you're a monastic, or whether you're single, we have orthodoxy there to help us in our life, which also guides us to salvation. Because our purpose on earth, the reason why God has allowed us to be born, is so that we can be saved. But the process of being saved is in everyday life. So we get, people get confused, and I see some women, for example, who they read a lot of spiritual books, and they might have children, but they believe that their children is kind of a separate thing. So they don't even look at their children as part of their salvation. So while their children are crying or need help, these women could be, for example, reading Philokalios or some deep books or fasting until they're half dead, whereby they can't even take care of their children. And they believe that they're doing a holy thing, forgetting that orthodoxy is in their everyday life which in their case is their children. And men, for example, who, who might think other things are related to that, but not thinking that his wife is to do with his salvation. His wife is living orthodoxy. In other words, him, his relationship with his wife is what determines whether he's orthodox. So we practice our orthodox life in, within our life our everyday life, which includes our work, school, studies, jobs, everything is to do with our orthodox faith. So if we have an attitude, all of us, myself or yourself or anyone, has an attitude that their life is separate, their orthodoxy or their faith or their church or whatever is separate to everyday life, 
that means that that person has fallen into deception, that person has lost his way to salvation. And unfortunately, as a priest, and I, I've had some experience there, that people do actually fall into that trap. What I wanted to speak about is the ignorance that exists today amongst Orthodox Christians. Some will say the ignorance comes from maybe the priest's fault, maybe the bishop's fault, the church, or whatever. And there might be some truth in a lot of those. But most of the ignorance comes from ourselves. Because even if the clergy, let's just say, might not be spreading the word of God or teaching the people, some could be that, some don't have the capabilities, some do, everyone has their own gift. You might see a priest and go, oh, he doesn't, he doesn't preach, he doesn't do anything. But that priest could be a, a man of prayer. His gifts are in different ways, consoling people. Like I remember seeing a priest, I went to Greece. Uh, he's passed away now, but I think that he will, you know, become quite a, a famous, his name was Father Evmenios. And he was a priest at a hospital. And he's actually little 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 house and church work on the hospital grounds and he would take care of the sick. When you go to, when I and visited him, I think once or twice, he didn't speak at all. And I thought to myself in my, in my younger years, in my, well, one can say, stupid years where we judge more often and not really understand what we're judging, which happens a lot in the church today that everyone likes to judge. And I thought to myself, ah, oh, what kind of a priest is he? He doesn't even say anything. And later on I find out that that man was a holy, orthodox priest who had performed miracles, but his way was of silence. That was his way. St. John Chrysostom, for example, he would speak continually. St. Ambrose of Optina, he used to say about himself, oh, I used to love talking and now God's given me this obedience of speaking to people and all I do is yap, yap, yap all day. While St. Joseph of Optina was a person who by his nature was a very quiet person. So we can't say St. Ambrose is better and St. Joseph of Optina is no good because he doesn't speak to the people much or vice versa. I mean, he used to give advice, but he wasn't as social as St. Ambrose was, who was also a teacher. So we can blame. So, sorry. So we've got to be careful before we blame and say, oh, it's the priest's fault or the bishop's fault, etc., etc., that we uh, are ignorant because there exists a lot of books. And now with the internet, which has its bad points, which will come into another day, but the, the internet, which has an abundance of information, there is information there for us. But yet, if I ask a lot of you today, what information are you aware of? Most of you will know a lot of the secular books that exist. And I actually got someone to go to the library and I actually, um, oh, for example, here's one here. Yes, these are some books that people borrow. See? Life After Death. Not from an Orthodox perspective. People borrow that because people are interested. So isn't it funny that if there are people who are not even orthodox, because they don't have the fullness of the truth as in the orthodox faith, but yet they are seeking something. And then we have those who are orthodox who don't seek much at all. 
So there's, there's one there. And then we have uh, an idiot's guy. Parenting a preschooler. People are interested in that. And people, people say, well, where else are we going to get information? A lot of orthodox use these books. There are some good points in there. But there's also orthodox literature on the upbringing of children. Do people know about it? Not many at all. And then we have another idiot's guy here, look. Self-esteem. And people say, we have to have self-esteem. But then the church says, self-esteem, you've got to be careful. And people read this. They haven't read anything in the Orthodox Church. So therefore, they are confused and they start to think wrongly. So there's one there. And then we have... That one there is a very big topic now. How to be a working mother. So, a lot of people, women who work... They read these books. What does the Orthodox Church say about that? What does the Orthodox say about, about a woman who... How does she bring up her child? And of course, if you read, you'll find that the um, books say that a woman is a full-time uh, teacher, a full-time carer for her children, and the children need a lot of attention. So then, how do they work? That's another thing. But people do borrow those type of things. And then we've got, of course, the worldly magazines, which a lot of you might actually get. And we've got here, pregnancy and birth. So we don't, we actually go to these magazines for information about that, but not to orthodox. So all our information about pregnancy and birth comes from worldly magazines. And it's got there about um, pregnancy planner and uh, what else is there here? Contraception, etc., etc. So a few more. Another parenting book, and of course, these ones here. Look at that one. The Rolling the Francis, a very famous magazine, which some of you will get, to find out about people's lives. You know that it's actually inbuilt in a person to want to know about other people's lives. It's actually built by God. So some of you might say, so are you saying that God wants us to read the life of or talk about Steven Spielberg or Michael Moore and Bob Dylan and Michael Jagger and all these type of people. Oh, there's even Jack Nicholson down there. So, the, um, is that what God wants? It's built into all of us to want to be inspired to read about people's lives. But God has given us that to be inspired by people who are holy. And that's why we have the lives of saints. So the church has the lives of saints the worldly people have the lives of these people. Now, I'm not going to put these people down because everyone will be judged according to their content. But what I can say is it's not my business to talk about Mick Jagger's life and whether he's an alcoholic or he's in drugs. I have no... That does not concern me. What concerns me as a priest, what concerns the church is that people read and are to be... In, people should read and be inspired by the lives of saints of holy people, not this type of thing. And that's a problem which occurs today. And we see a lot of orthodox young people who will read all these type of things, but they don't read a life of saints. There's a lot of also, um, look, see this. I often say to myself, when people say, oh, I've got, I bought this, oh, I borrowed this DVD, I bought Unlocking the Mystery of Life. That's also built in into human, into the soul by God. To have a 
want to know what's life about, what's beyond, what's it all about. And when you see what people who are not orthodox seeking these things, and then you see the orthodox people, some who do not even seek these things, then you've got to say to yourself, well, what is happening? And that's why we've got to be careful on the day of judgment, how we'll be judged, because there might be others who will be um, in a better position. Now, this person here, this very famous person, John Edward, he actually, they say, is a psychic, and he speaks to the dead. And he, he does have powers. Now, before people get up and walk out, always remember to wait till the person finishes. So some of you go, oh, he just said that it's true, therefore he's a heretic, and then there's a stampede, etc. Just let me finish. We say, John ha- uh, Edward, not John Howard, John <laughs> Edward, he's got powers, and he does communicate. He does communicate, and he does say things about people's dead father or mother or wife or child, etc. Because it's without a doubt that when he speaks, he is saying things to the people that there's no way that he would know. Now, of course, there are, you know, con, con artists, but I think because he's so famous, if he was, he would have been exposed by now. And the truth is, he does say things about the dead, which no one would know. Now, people look at that, even orthodox, and say, so then, you see, he's communicating with the dead, but he's not communicating with the dead. And if you read, if you read orthodox books and read the Bible, which is why the, the, you know, we've made the Bible, the New Testament more available, if you read the Bible, if you read the lives of saints, like Saints Kipriam Mustina, you will see that in there are the answers to understand these things that are going on on the TV with mediums and witches and Harry Potter and all these things which a lot of the children have been influenced. But not only that, adults also are influenced by that. And I mean orthodox people that say, oh, he's speaking to the dead. For example, on that one, Anyone seen him? Just for a bit of interaction. Anyone seen him on TV? This John Edward? One? A few more? No one? Uh, I will read something from the Acts of the Apostles, which explains a lot of these things. But if we don't read, we don't know. It says, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. The girl followed Paul and and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days, and finally Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her at that moment, the spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realised that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. 
So from that, I want someone to tell me, to explain that to me. From what I just read, who can tell me the explanation of that, yes? So, therefore, are you saying that John Edward... Well, what are you saying about John Edward? He has a spirit of human possession that actually is off the devil or a demon, I guess, and that's where the fallen times come from. To be a little bit kinder, what we'll say is that you're, you're correct. We'll say he's been influenced by the demons because the demons, as we know from Orthodox teaching, live in the air. They're here now. It, it doesn't. It, they live in the air, and they know everything except for the future. They know everything of what's happened, so they would know about your passed away mother, or your father, or your brother, or your great grandfather. They know all those things. And I was watching it the other day. I had to watch it. It bores me, but I watched it. Um, uh, on the biography channel on mediums. It was about a two-hour special of boredom. But I had to watch it because I wanted to know what they're saying. And it was um, sad of how many people are being deceived. And they even had a, a um, professor of some description there who was studying this of para, parapsychology, etc., etc. And he's studying this and he's saying that these people are true. So even the universities are getting involved in this and the universities are having courses on these phenomena. And they're saying that this is true because, for example, I saw one where this fellow, who they say is a medium, he communicates with the dead, he actually was taken into a building somewhere in America. And he was describing what had happened in that building, which he would not have known. And he said that there was a fire here, and there was, this place was a place where women worked, a lot of women, he says, I see a lot of women working along tables, and et cetera, et cetera. And then the historian of the city, I don't know if it was New York, whatever it was, she was like baffled and said, um, that's amazing because it's true that this place here caught on fire, it was in the 1920s or 30s, where women used to work and sew. So it was like hundreds and hundreds of women. A fire got, uh, broke out. And um, young women as well, like very young. And they were crying and screaming. Some were jumping out. And he was saying, I feel it strong here. And he knew exactly. This is where it happened. And this is this. And this is that. And those who studied the history were saying, he is 100% correct. So, unless people read Orthodox literature, and unless people read the Bible... And unless people read the lives of saints, and unless people go to church to be enlightened by God, unless people partake of the mysteries of the church, because from the mysteries of the church we receive grace, and God enlightens us and protects us and warns us that something's not right. And he was correct. And they said that he was communicating with the dead women. But he wasn't communicating with the dead women. He was communicating with the demons who were telling him what had happened. So where are the dead? The dead, according to the Orthodox teaching, according to the Bible, according to the tradition of the church, the dead are where they are. 
heaven, hell, whatever, but not here. Now, there are some Orthodox teachings which very exceptional, there's a very exceptional cases where God might allow a soul of someone to appear to someone, usually to ask for prayers or to um, warn the person of their life. But in this case, none of that, none of that goes on. It's all to do with, and they'll screaming, and they'll jumping, and they'll doing this, and they'll doing that, and all things which are quite uh, trivial, in a sense, of when you're looking at it in the in perspective of salvation. Why do the demons want us? Or why do the demons even go to that trouble to actually concoct this whole thing that they do, like the UFOs, like that's another one, and other things that they do? What, what's their purpose? Their purpose is to get people away more and more from the true teaching of Christ about life after death. There was another guy on that show who was saying, life is nothing, life, death is nothing, it's a passage, nothing about salvation, and they're all good, and we're going to go there, and there's others that believe that they're going to come back. Some believe they're going to come back as a snail, and others as a dog, and others as a, I don't know, building, and others as a car, I don't know. There's all these things of reincarnation. So all these things are being made up by the demons for one purpose. He doesn't want people to know about salvation. He doesn't want people to know that you have to struggle to be saved. He doesn't want people to know that through Christ is salvation. He doesn't want especially people to know that Christ rose from the dead, that Christ is God, that Christ is God and man, and that the mother of God, Mary, the ever-virgin, is Theotokos, and not Christotokos, and this and that and that. There's all these things that he's against. And one of them is this thing, the proper teaching about the soul after death. And that's why there are so many books in existence. Now, you don't put people down that read them because some of them are searching, some of them are ignorant, some don't have the Orthodox Church there available to them, some do find it. And everyone will be judged according to their conscience. But for us as Orthodox Christians, what will be our excuse on the last day that God will say, you had the church, you had the teachings of the saints, you had the fathers, etc., the councils, the lives of saints, and why did you not follow that? Why did you believe in these things? Why did you communicate with people with mediums to try and contact your mother or your father or whatever. So this is a, a basic truth. And on Sunday, those who went to church, was, was an excellent um, gospel reading about the lunatic. I don't know if it was the same in the New Calendar. Uh, uh, anyway, that's what it was in the Russian church. It was the Sunday of the, um, of the possessed boy. And he, was, and he is called lunatic. And we know that word. Before in the old days it was called that. Now they call them mentally ill, things like that. But in those days a lot of people call lunatics. Lunatic asylum, etc. And that word comes from the word luna. Comes from the word moon. Because in the old days people were led to believe by someone that when the moon is full, people become strange and do strange things, become possessed or whatever. 
By that way, they're trying to make people believe that create creation, because God created the moon, is evil. And see, when the moon is full, the people be, do strange things, they become aggressive or mad, etc., etc. And this is all the trouble that the demons go to to make people believe that this, for example, in this case, this boy, that his possession comes from the moon. So, by reading the gospel and seeing that there, and seeing that, that Christ does not speak as if he's speaking about some power, because some people say, even psychiatrists, that demons don't exist, but it's just mental illness. Christ spoke to the demon and said, you know, be removed. Get, get, get out of the boy, etc., etc. The boy convulsed. And if you read more and more into the interpretation from the Holy Fathers, you'll get more from it. So, that's how important it is to read um, orthodox material. Up to there, any comments or questions? Because sometimes I might forget something, and some of you remember, you told me later, I don't mind being told later, but I would prefer if you say, like once someone said something, I said something, oh, how about uh, that thing that I saw on TV where they say that some, someone's writing on the wall? I go, oh, that's a good point, I should have actually said that, because that's the same thing. The fathers of the church say that the Demons are spirits, and as spirits, they're able to influence the uh, earthly things because they are able to, through their um, abilities, to move something, to write something on the wall, and to do all these type of things. And as you read the life of Saint, you'll see that Saint Cyprian was able to go from one place to another in the air. You know, and people say, Oh, but I thought only. Harry Potter can do that on his broom. But the point is that before the author of Harry Potter came into existence from 1990, whatever she was, 1999, with her boring books, the Orthodox Church had that, had, we, we knew about that because the life of St. Cyprian used to have been around for centuries. The only difference is that they didn't use brooms like they do on Harry Potter. So, questions or comments? Yes. Oh, um, I have a question. Did you say that demons can see in the future or that, they, or that they can't? Demons can't see the future. However, just in case some of you have seen things where that's happened, where it looks like it's happened, they can either guess the future or they can... Like, say, for example, I want to... I want to make out that I'm a clairvoyant, I'm a, I'm a, one of them, you know, one of those people or, or something. And I can say, um, when you go out today to your car, you're going to have a flat tyre. But you don't know that I sent out one of the kids with a knife and punctured it for you. So I predicted the future. I, I know the future. So what the demons do is they can arrange, they can say, um, today or tomorrow or soon you're going to have an accident. They will, they can organise that. But what does God allow that? Because when people go to these things, God takes away his grace 
and allows that to happen to make you become tricked, fooled, deceived. It's like a punishment. Because one of the worst things in the Orthodox Church is going to those places. Actually, the canons of the church say that those who go to those church, go, go to mediums and all those type of things, it's like the denial of the faith. It's like you've denied your orthodox faith because you are communing with demons at that time. Now, some people have gone out of ignorance, but um, uh, in a lot of Greek literature that I've read, orthodox books from Greece, um, even if you go out of ignorance, it's, not as, it's, it's still serious, it's not as bad as those who are orthodox and go that know what they're doing, but when you go, you are what's called in Greek, you know, thenese, which is like you're, you're tied. You become tied with the demon, and it's very hard for you to get away. Um, for example, there are people who went to a seance or went to some of those things, and um, later on they, they become under the influence. And they have to do a lot of work to come out of that, and the demons don't let go. And that, uh, that phenomenon actually happens a lot in Greece, Orthodox countries. Here, for some reason, due to slackness of Orthodox life, they don't manifest themselves. But, for example, in America, whereby I heard this years ago, uh, um, uh, an abbot of, of Manathos, Father Ephraim, who used to go there before, now he's there, he's made 18 monasteries. I mean, they're so fortunate. But he used to go there before and visit. And they say that when he used to walk into a psychiatric hospital, a lot of the people there would start going berserk, screaming, shouting, going crazy. And from that, the people who were writing this in an Orthodox magazine were trying to say that not some people are mentally ill because they're mentally ill, but some are mentally ill because of demonic problems. And a lot of it comes from that stuff. When someone, if I confess someone or speak to someone on the phone or whatever, and they... They say to me, um, my, they go, um, you know, there's something wrong with my son. I go, oh, yes, and what's wrong? They go, well, he was going all right, but then, you know, he started not going very good in his exam. Okay, and how old is he? They go, about 14, which is typical because around 14 is when kids start going a little bit silly. And, um, and then she said, and then abruptly, now he's sick and he's depressed and he's this and he's that and he's this and he's that. And I say, yeah, but... Did you go to a medium? Did you go to a mayisa, to a, a, a sorcerer? And did you go and do something like that to see maybe what's wrong with him? They go, oh, y yes. I go, well, you did that. You actually made him sick. And that as happens a lot. Now, of course, he could be like that as well because they've done some sins or whatever. But, you know, it is really bad when you go to those places one fellow who's not here today, but I thought he was going to come. But anyway, he, he was um, my plumber. And he actually said to me that um, uh, he moved into a house and the house had really bad things going on. Noises and moving things and all these type of things. I thought to myself, is he making that up? He doesn't really go to church much. And he's not, I don't think he's really making that up. I think he's actually, um, and he wasn't intense about it. He just said, this is what's happening and... and um, you know, musical instruments playing in the night and all these type of things. And I said to him, look, don't, whatever you do, don't go to mediums. Do not go to those places. Just ask a priest to come and do a holy water at the house. If the priest is strong enough, he can do exorcisms because some priests, not all priests can do that. Um, I don't do them. I 
I find that, you know, it says this type only comes out with prayer and fasting. And unfortunately, when you're living in the world, it's very difficult to lead such an intense life as much as they do in the monasteries, ascetics, etc. Not even all the optimate elders, not even St. John of Cronstein, I think, from I remember from my reading, he did not do exorcisms. It's, it's a gift which some people have. Anyway, I said if he can do it, he can do it, but if not, at least do the Saints Kiprian, um, sorry, at least do the holy water. And he did. He got a priest to come over uh, from the Greek church. They did the holy water. And he says, after that, it's gone. I said, that's right. But if you went to a medium, then not only would they not move, but you would be tormented because it's such a sin. Now, some people say, oh, you're scary enough. Even some clergy can say that. Oh, it's too much scare tactics. I don't think that what I'm saying can be that scary as much as if you see um, those Harry Potter movies, which even myself, with my knowledge that I've got of those things, it makes me sick and it's terrorising, and that's why a lot of kids are having problems that can't sleep. I, I, I uh, forced myself to watch the first one, I think, and the third one, just so I get an idea of what's, what's there. And I have to say that um, if, a, if someone's going to come up and say to me, oh, you're scaring the children or you're scaring the people, I would have to say, go have a look at that, what's on TV. Go and look at what's happening and seeing what people are looking at and reading and then worry about whether I'm going to scare people or not. Does that answer your question? So the future cannot be... They don't know the future. If they did, there'll be big lines up next to um, witchy, witchy poo down the street who um, knows how to do tarot cards in her crystal ball. And... Um, there's a lot of people there for the lotteries and what numbers to do and all that type of things, but they don't know the future, but they know the present and the past. And not all of them are real. Some of them are real. Some of them, I actually, when I used to be a teacher and I used to do some tutoring, before I was in the church, I didn't know, and I actually was invited by someone to do some tutoring of maths for their child. And it turned out to be one of those witchy poop people. And um, so I was teaching this person at the table that she used to do her readings. So while I'm doing the algebra of 3x plus 2x and all that, there was the ball there, the, the, the crystal ball. As I said, I didn't know much in those days. I didn't know anything actually in those days. So, um, but one thing I noted, stupid that I was, that did not having the orthodox faith as a light to help me in life, she would come in and she goes, oh, how's he going? I go, well, he's going all right, but he didn't do his homework and something like that. And then she'll start, bang, on his head and bang, and what's going to come about you and what are you going to become and what are you going to do and this and that. And then I thought to myself, in my ignorance, so if this woman supposedly reads the future for people, doesn't she know what's going to become of him? Or can't she do a spell and make him become, you know, some great person? The next Prime Minister of Australia, with that, does, that can't even do maths because he's just so thick. So, you know, you have to say to yourself that sometimes even logic you can see that um, there's something wrong. But that's what happened. Yes, at the back. Ah, that's an excellent one. And that's good as well, it's a telephone. St. John Climacus in, his, in the book of the Ladder. 
which most of you don't know, it's not really important because it's, it's a, more of a book for monastics. And a lot of people shouldn't read things that are too much for monastics because they're in the world. When you're in the world, you read books about life in the world. St. Tikhon of Zendonsk, who spoke about life in the world. And St. John of Cronstadt, who spoke about spiritual life in the world. St. Nectarius also spoke about spiritual life in the world. But St. John Climacus is more for monastics. Anyway, St. John Climacus says about monks, because the demons are always wanting to make the monks fall into pride, because once he makes them fall into pride, he's got them. He might, you know, he might make them fall into other things, but pride's the best. It, it's the best way for a person to lose themselves. So, St. John Climacus says that the, that the um, there's two brothers, two fathers there, whatever, two um, monks, and he puts the thought in one person, he puts the thought, because the demons do put thoughts in us, and he puts the thoughts in that person over there, and the thought might be, um, um, you know, I'm, I'm hungry, for example. Uh, then he comes to the other monk and says to him, he just thought that he's hungry. So therefore, this person says to him, you just had a thought about being hungry. He goes, yes, I did. So this person over here becomes proud. And that's what happens a lot in those, um, some, uh, someone told me the other day that, again, there was some show whereby there's some fellow, like a John Edwards type of fellow, but he actually reads mine. He says to the person, okay, you come towards me and I'll tell you what you're thinking. And he tells him what they're thinking, but that's what happens. I actually witness as a, as a young person, before I came to the church, I remember once I was in a, um, in a place, I was somewhere, where there was a lot of young people, and one person who was reading a lot of stuff on, I don't know what he was, but he, but he was on drugs. He used to take drugs. And um, uh, so his holiness, of course, there's no holiness there. So we can't say he's clever one. But anyway, he was actually saying to some of the kids, some of the guys that were in that group, he was saying things. And he said to one guy, he goes, oh, I can see your room. And the guy goes, oh, um, I think, you know, you're a bit out of it. And um, the person said, I can see your room. Do you have a poster in your room of a bike, of a motorcycle? And he goes, how do you know? And he ran out. He got actually disturbed, the guy. And he ran out. Now, I witnessed that, and I know as well from other people that that thing. He was saying to them things. And he, and he said, oh, I can, I'm, especially I can do it when I've taken drugs. So that's very interesting on that. So, um, and he would say things like, did you just think this and think that and all that type of thing. Not a mark of holiness. And people get mixed up. They go, oh, someone went to a monastery in Greece and the person said his name. And because he said his name, he's holy. But that doesn't mean he's holy. He may be, because we know from Optin Elders, we know from other saints of Manhattan that they had that ability. But it's not enough by itself to say that that person is holy or that ability is from God. So the answer to your question is this mind reading or communicating with the supposed dead. And all these things, whether things are moving or noises in the house or smells, etc., etc., are demonic. 
And these poor creatures that study these things, whether they are the you know doctors and professors, etc., do not even try to explain it with that because they long time ago have said, Oh, demons and all that's just something the Christians say. That's all stupid. We throw that out and we will explain it in our own way. And they have explained in their own way, but unfortunately, they've fallen into deception. Next question. Or comments. Because the comments help. See, that's good. Two, two, two good comments would spark up uh, some memories. Yes. I, I don't go to that. That's exactly and right. That is. Um, some people have said, um, oh, um, in Greece, as I said, they mostly do that. Oh, let's go to that church because the priest there does exorcisms. And I would say, I don't, I'm not going. I don't go. Because. Um, at that time, there's a lot of activity, a lot of uh, madness is going on, and the demons are extremely intelligent beings. And what they do is they spin things out. Apart from the fact that you can get influence, which, which has happened, they also can say things. For example, the demon has said to, in front of everyone, oh, um, last night, such and such, fornicated with such and such. But it wasn't true. But they done that so they can have fights and kill each other and things like that. Or, oh, that priest done that, that and that and that. Which could be true, but sometimes it's not true. Or another thing is, um, you know, he might, the person's possessed might turn around and say to someone, um, turn around and say, oh, that you over there, when you pray every night, you burn me with your prayers and the person becomes elated. So even if it doesn't influence him demonically, it influences him through pride. So I don't, you know, it's just better to keep away from those things. And people who go, they go because they've got problems. But you shouldn't go out of curiosity. Now, there are cases where some have gone, they were accidentally there, they saw it, they repented. That does happen. But in general, um, I think the fathers would say, don't go, don't listen, don't get into dialogue with those things. If some priests can do that, that's, that's up to them, but it is dangerous. Does that answer your question? Oh, now on the films you're saying as well. Yes, some people can become um, influenced uh, by watching those things and reading the books. And they can have a lot of damage to their souls by watching movies or like that or um, reading those books. And that's why Holy Fathers forbid the reading of books which are not orthodox. Be careful of those things. And especially through the film, where it's more powerful than, than even than books, yes, it can influence people. I, I as I said myself, um, sorry, I, I, actually number three, when I said I watched number three of the Harry Potter, I couldn't watch it anymore because it was giving me chest pains. I didn't like it. It's actually no good. And I said, well, I've watched what I've watched and I'll read a bit more about it from what, which, which at the end of the, at the, end of the um, talk, you're all going to get... Uh, very nice leaflet about that, but it's also got orthodox teachings there about all that type of thing, about the Harry Potter phenomenon. And over here, another one by Father 
Father Cleopa of Romania, an, an elder that died a few years ago, and that's it on um, one of his books, on chapter 19, on occultism, and speaks a lot about communicating with the dead and things like that. So those things are, are, are in there, and you get that, but still I have felt it my duty that I have to look a little bit at it. But in general, no, it is very, very dangerous, and people are becoming influenced and sick, etc. Anything else on that? Yes? Just on the same thing. Obviously, that would include like horoscope, star signs, and all that kind of stuff as well, but in regards to when you could just read or anything like that, like looking at those kind of things. Isn't it funny that, or not funny, it's sad, that uh, orthodox, sorry, that people say lives of saints are myths and stupid. And that demons don't exist, and angels don't exist, and this doesn't exist, and that doesn't exist. But yet, um, the astrology is true, and that people follow it. That that because Jupiter is in a certain position, that that means that I'm going to have luck, and I'm going to do this and that. And people watch it, and um, I even heard someone tell me the other day that um, on Two UE, I think it is, and in America, I know it's on. But in Two UE, there's some person that's that's on there for a few hours on I don't know what day. And she speaks to people on the, or he or she speaks to people on the radio, on the telephone, and tells them about their communication with all these dead people. And this is our people. And no one's ever said about that, that's stupid. There are some people that are, what's called, skeptics that put it down. But in general, people are accepting of that. But we're not allowed to say, in a life of saint, some type of miracle. See, so this is the problem which is going on now. So yes, it is wrong. All those things on astrologies and all those things are uh, against the church, which I think in the next leaf, next month, I hope, hopefully, I'm going to have one where it does speak about a little bit more about the canons and that against all those things that it's forbidden for Christians to be anything to do with that stuff, even out of curiosity. It's no good. And of course, those who have been, who have done those things for whatever reason, as we'll see from the life of St. Cyprian, you know that St. Cyprian was a magician and he repented. He was a really horrible person who killed people and destroyed cities, etc. And yet he repented. So with God, everything is forgivable except for one thing. God cannot forgive one sin. Which one? Yes? The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Is that correct? That's what we've read. Some of us have read in the Bible that God cannot forgive blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. But you know, that's got a special meaning to that. People say, oh, if someone blasphemes the Holy Spirit, they won't be forgiven. But then, you know, there was the people in the who were the heretics around the Second Ecumenical Council, that was in the year 300s around there, who followed Macedonius, if I remember right, Patriarch, who he said that the Holy Spirit isn't God. That's blasphemy. And um, yeah, a lot of them repented. Unrepentance. Sorry? Unrepentance. Unrepentance. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit means a person who will not allow God's grace to come in them so they can repent. That's what it means by blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Now, for example, if you read the Bible, and I'm hopefully I would I like to today's talk is to encourage even a little bit, that much, every day, whatever, that much, that much, every day, just a little bit, 
every day will, as St. John of Cronstein say, enlighten your mind, your heart, etc. It is very, very powerful. I lost my uh, train of thought. What was I, I going to explain? That, that's with the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Um, say, uh, Christ says, if someone blasphemes the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But if someone blasphemes the Holy Spirit, it won't be forgiven him. And what does that mean? We go, and remember, when you read the Bible, don't try to explain it yourself. Because all the Protestants and a lot of even Orthodox actually have all the Bible in their hand. They go, oh, it says here Christ said this, and therefore that means that. You know, we're not Luther. We are Orthodox. And as Orthodox Christians, we have to follow the explanation from the fathers of the church who are enlightened and know what it means. So, am I giving you my explanation? No. I'm giving you the explanation of the fathers. If I gave you my explanation, then you have permission to stand free. One door there, one door there, and out you go. You can even use the windows for faster exit. That's if I'm explaining it. But I'm not going to explain it. I'm going to explain what the fathers of the church say. The fathers of the church say that when people saw Christ in front of them, Eating, sleeping, sweating, tired. They saw him there. They could not understand that this is God. That, this is, that, this, that Christ was not only man, but that he was full God. The second person of the Holy Trinity. That Christ was God. They couldn't understand it. And Christ says, it will be forgiven them. Because... It's difficult for them to understand that. It's difficult for a person to understand in that time that God took on human flesh, became man. So a lot of times we say, uh, people say, um, oh, they're going to go to hell and that's going to go to hell and that person's going to go to hell and that person's going to go to hell. We don't know that because God's judgments are different. So if someone read the, old, the, the New Testament and says, oh, look at those people didn't believe in Christ... They're going to go to hell. But we don't know exactly why they're going against or why this or why that. Some that were stubborn, as I'm going to come to now, yes. But there was others that were ignorant or confused or weak of faith, etc. So, but Christ goes on. But if they blaspheme the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven them. So, we have Christ eating, sleeping, drinking, Tired, human, I can't see him as God. Forgivable. But when they saw Christ raising the dead, walking on water, healing the sick, expelling demons from people, etc., which showed his divine nature, which showed that he is God, remember that even the people would say, We've never seen such a thing, not even in the prophets, from the whole history of mankind. Where has it ever been heard that someone opened the eyes of the blind, etc., etc., or someone rose the dead? Oh, of course, there are some Old Testament versions of that, but the four-day dead one was beyond. Some people, uh, some of the prophets raised some, some, someone from the dead that were dead a short time. But the four-day one, that person was already rotting, etc., etc., and he rose Lazarus from the dead. When... People see that and deny Christ's divinity. It will not be forgiven because 
that person is willfully, in a stubborn way, in a stubborn way, he or she is denying the obvious. They're not allowing God's light, they're not allowing God's grace to enter them so they can believe. And that's why um, the answer there was correct. That it is unrepentance, willful unrepentance, which I may say has even amongst orthodox, people are confused exactly about repentance and people that are not repentant. And it's, uh, I don't want to go into it now, but one day we'll go into that more, that the whole meaning of repentance and people that are not repentant, etc., et is quite confused today, even among clergy. A good example is the crucial one, the devil. Yes. If we ask for forgiveness today, he'll be forgiven by God. He hasn't. He's not going to. That teaching of the church that the devil, if he were to repent, that God would forgive him even after what he's done, is excellent. But he chooses. He's so evil in the sense that he cannot ask forgiveness from his pride. And that does come into us, where sometimes we know we're wrong and we don't ask forgiveness. We become like the demons, the same nature as them. Because it's up, oh, I can't, I can't repent, I can't say forgive me, I can't do this, because we don't want. It's a decision that we have to make. We make the decision, I am going to say sorry to that person. That's a decision, we make it, we ask forgiveness. We don't make it, that's because we don't want to make it. Because I hear people say, I can't repent, I can't repent. Oh, I'm dead, I can't repent. Well, you don't want to repent, is my words. You don't want to repent. Oh, no, I do. Well, why don't you? I can't. So we go around in circles like uh, ringy ringy rose at the kids' play. So um, this is the, the will of the person. And the will of the devil is that he will remain unrepentant. When I went to the deacon's office um, about a month ago, we were having a discussion, which, we all, which I like doing. And he said that, um, not, not that he agreed with me, but he actually said, there are some people who have, by reading the writings of Saint um, Isaac the Syrian, and that the and he said that in those writings, some people have said, "Oh, there's a teaching there which Saint Isaac says that on the last day it will be very surprising what's going to happen and whatever." And that people actually saying Saint Isaac the Syrian there is saying that at the end of the world. Everyone's going to be saved. And, um, and I said, oh, that's interesting. And do they actually say, I asked them, do they actually say that even those who are unrepentant, purposely? And he said, yes, they actually, do, they actually do say that. As I said, not that he believes. I'm just saying what the people are saying. And when I went back to the monastery, I thought about it. I always like to think about things and ponder and ponder. Can, what's a... And, Saint Isaac the Syrian said it. That's what they say. And maybe there is something in there about that. How do we look at that? Because we often hear someone says to justify something, like people that want to um, split off from the church, they go, oh, Saint such and such said that, and that justifies my position, and, I'm, and I can do that, and Saint says that, and Saint says that. 
how do we look at that? And I thought about it, and I think I'm going to present it, and um, His Eminence can uh, mark whether it's correct or not. But I think this is what I, from what I've, I've understood, how to answer those people, because it's got to be able. To, Christians have these what we call apurias in Greek. People have these questions. These, you know, that we have to know how to answer. And we will find, people will come up and say, oh, I found in this book by St. Basil the Great this one little part or something like that. And that means this. The answer is as follows. St. Vincent of Lorenz, an Orthodox saint, but from the West, who lived around the 400s, 500s, not sure. He gave the answer. So, let's look at it. These people are trying to say that everyone's going to be saved, that there's no judgment because God is love. And because God is love, there can be no judgment. Which is, you know, which... That's, in a way, that one can say, oh, isn't that fantastic? We can do what we want because no one's going to go to hell. There's no hell. Everyone's going to be saved. And people get confused. That's why we've got to be careful because sometimes uh, people read Orthodox material and they go, and they get all confused. And they start going to the priest and say, oh, you're doing this wrong, that's wrong, and this wrong, and that's wrong. And it becomes like a, a madhouse. Many of the saints had incorrect teachings, but it didn't stop them of becoming saints. Saint Augustine, who's a Western saint, but we also have him. Some people don't even want to recognise him because he had some wrong teachings about... What was it? What was his... Um, did you mention? The Holy Trinity, something along those lines. And other saints did too. St. Vincent gives the answer. Whatever is believed in the church by all, everywhere, always. Let's go through it again. A teaching is orthodox if it is believed by everyone in the church, everywhere, everywhere, always means from time on, from the beginning of Christianity to now. And what's my answer to those who say that we're not going to have been judged? Very easy. Something which is said in every single liturgy and it is commemorated on the third Sunday before Lent and it is said in prayers every day Christians read this and all the Holy Fathers of the Church teach this what is it? and he shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end that is what has been believed always by everyone, everywhere. Everyone says that. It's always been said. And it is believed by all. That is an orthodox teaching. Now, other ones are not orthodox teachings. So we, don't, we aren't obliged that because Saint so-and-so said that, or that saint said that, to believe that. And this is where we have to be very, very careful... When we're reading books, and people take this, what's called obscure, some type of 
mystical teaching. I was trying to look and go, oh, I see the saints trying to say that. Now let's have it as an orthodox teaching. And that is wrong. And those saints never stubbornly propagated, as we say. They never taught that with stubbornness. And St. Augustine, before his death, said, if I have taught anything that was contrary to the church, I denounce it. While Arius said, this is what it is, that Christ is only of human nature and not divine, and he stubbornly did it right to the end where his bowels opened up in the public square, um, as you read in the, in the life of St. Athanasius. St. Augustine, the same thing. He didn't spread, he didn't go crazy, he didn't try and convert people, he just presented it, and it was wrong. And therefore, not everyone who says something heretical, we all say heretical things, we all could say heretical, I might say something tonight that might not be orthodox. It doesn't mean that because I said something wrong, I've lost the grace. Or when the priest preaches in the church, he might say something wrong and we say, oh, he's lost grace, he's not got no mysteries, I'm not going to baptise my child there because he's lost the grace. It doesn't work like that. Church does not work like that. So, the answer to those people who want to say to us that same time, Isaac gave that teaching, is that. Is it believed by all? Is it believed everywhere? Was it always believed? Yes or no? Uh, no. Well, not orthodox. I'm not obliged to have it. You want to have it? That's your business. Any questions on that particular part? So that's very important. Yes? That's correct. A lot of people don't see those type of things. And as a result of that, they will be judged less than those who are, for example, let's just say, in Greece, or in Russia, we've got holy relics and you know, holy things and miracles that are occurring and, and things like that. And that, those people will give more word than those who weren't given a lot of that opportunity, even though God does through other ways, tries to bring them to, but they're going to give word according to how much they're denying the truth. So one might say, oh, those Protestants, they're going to go to hell because they're Protestants. But without, you know, expecting to get rotten tomatoes thrown at me because people can say, oh, that's a heresy. We do not know what is, you know, the Protestant believes in Christ. That's, that's, that's without a doubt, they believe. Do they believe correctly? Some of them, I mean, they don't have the, full, the fullness of the teaching of the Orthodox Church. But they do believe in their way. Are they denying the truth? Well, has the truth been given to them for them to deny it? Everyone will be judged according to their conscience. How much they deny the truth within themselves. For example, if I have in my mind a thought which says that, that and that. And that's telling me that I've done something wrong or I, um, I'm teaching something wrong. Well, that, that's what my conscience is telling me. And I deny, deny, deny that conscience. I'm denying my conscience. Then I, in a way, am blaspheming. 
Because I'm not allowing God's grace to work in me to help me to repent of what I've done wrong and to be reconciled through the through confession or you know through the church. And I'm continuing to do that, denying my conscience, but the truth of the matter is it's our conscience. And any of us and any of us who have experienced pain of conscience, the burning that we have, the anxiety that we have, the gracelessness that we have that we don't, that we feel that God's left us, etc., which can lead to suicide, etc. And all that. Yes. In an orthodox context. Yeah. Prophecy. Can you explain that to us? The there were there are were saints who did prophesy. And um, that's in the Acts of the Apostles. But also we have other saints that uh, did say things that would happen in the future because they were told that by the grace of God. But we have another part which says in the Bible, discern the spirit, whether it's from God or from the demons. We don't. Sometimes a person could be saying something and we're not sure, is, it, is he speaking from the Holy Spirit? In general... The Orthodox Christians were very wary of uh, prophecies because a lot of people would come out and say, oh, I prophesy this, I prophesy that. You know? In the beginning of the church, there were many of the apostles who did prophesy, and, but they also had holiness of life. They were doing miracles, which kind of showed that their life was, well, showed that their life was holy. They were doing miracles. But when you see someone who's prophesying and saying this, this and that, but yet... Their life is not in any way holy. And um, their teaching of the church is not even spirit, uh, orthodox a lot of times. Then you have to say that that's not correct. The safest thing to do is to be wary of all those things. Especially in this time because the Holy Father say that because we're coming closer and closer to the times of Antichrist. And because the Antichrist and his forerunners will use miracles, will use... Um, these prophecies and all these things to confuse the faithful. Uh, Saint Ignatius, branching off, a Russian saint, says, "Don't become too much concentrating on miracles um, because they can lead even the elect into deception." Now, there are miracles that occur in the Orthodox Church, and we they're, they're, this is where we have our, the Synod of Bishops that. Uh, examine these miracles to make to make sure that they are right, whether an icon's miraculous or not, whether someone is uh, like when they discovered St. John's relics in San Francisco, they unburied them, people were going to him but it was forbidden by the church to do any um, malevolence, they only did numosima, like for the dead uh, people were praying privately, that's their business, but, in, but the church did not allow uh, public prayer to occur. They uncovered the relics of St. John. They found that he was incorrupt. And then all of a sudden, people got on the bandwagon and saying, he has to be made a saint and crazy. And then they were saying, the bishops are bad because they don't want St. John to be a saint. And it's like a, some crazy. But the church takes time, doesn't rush, examines, waits for God to show. But because we don't understand that, as people sometimes when you're not in the clergy or 
not a bishop. We tend to um, make up things and say, oh, the bishops, are, there's something wrong and this and that. So that, there was people that actually said that the bishop, that our, our synod there, that they don't want to make St. John a saint. They don't want to make him a saint because they're jealous or they're this or they're that. Anyway, time went on. They, they reburied the saint. And after some time, with more miracles that were occurring, they decided to take him out of his, the, the place that he was underneath the church. They took him inside and they canonised him in 1994 by the church. People can't just come along and say, he's a saint. That's a miraculous icon. You know, um, oh, let's go down to you know, Auntie Susie down the street because she's got a miraculous icon which it smells. It gives off a nice sweet smell. Those things are not correct. Or, uh, you know, there's a monk, on Mount Athos, and he said that, which I heard even in my days when I first came to church in the early 80s, they used to say things like, um, the Antichrist is going to come, prophecy. The Antichrist is going to come and say, uh, Father so-and-so from that monastery, and he's a good monk, and he said that the Antichrist is going to be born, and he was born in 1962, and that means he's going to come out in 1992. Well, that's 15 years ago and people are still waiting. What they're waiting for, I don't know. But that was wrong. But they were saying, and they had all these quotes, and they were saying, and Revelation said that from the Bible. And that father said that. And this patristic father said that. And that father from Anathos said that. And there's a holy elder in Russia that said this and this and that. Yeah, they might have said that. I'm not obliged to believe that. Is it believed by all? We're not obliged to listen or believe in prophecies. In point of actual fact, a lot of times, it's dangerous. Even if the person that's saying it is holy, still, to be safe, it's better to leave it to the church to determine. In general, prophecies only become significant when things have occurred. Sometimes they have warned, but in general, they're dangerous. Uh, and as Orthodox Christians, especially now because we're living in very bad times with so much of these books that exist and all these things of um, all these mediums like that woman, Dubois, whatever her name is there, which they made a show about her on TV, and she communicates and she prophesies, by the way, they say, oh, she speaks to the dead continually. Don't know when she has time to take care of her kids, but she always is prophesying about everything. And she speaks to all these dead people. And she says, that's going to happen, and that's going to happen, that's going to happen, you know. And that happens in the Orthodox Church. Oh, um, Arius, in the early church, in, back in the 4th century, Arius was the Antichrist. People believe that. When that one didn't work out, then they came up to the Pope. The Pope was the Antichrist when the schism occurred. When that one didn't come out, I don't know who was next. Um, Sorry, Napoleon was the Antichrist that was going to take over the world. Well, that, no, because the world's been around for centuries since then. Who else was it? A few others, wasn't there? Oh, Hitler, Stalin. They were Antichrists. They were forerunners, maybe, but not the end of it. But people believe that. And do you know that um, uh, in Russia, during the, that old believer schism, that they, the old believers believed that the Antichrist was... Peter the Great, who was changing things in the church, which was wrong, what he was doing, and they actually said, Peter the Great is the Antichrist. What they did is they got their kids, and they jumped off cliffs, and killed themselves, fathers were taken and 
killing their families because they didn't want to be have their children to be in the hands of the Antichrist. That's what I'm trying to say. Is that, um, and I'm sure that there would have been some elders in monasteries that were saying that that's the that that, that, that he was the Antichrist. We're not obliged. We are obliged to believe what the church teaches, always, everywhere, by all. That's that. Does that, sorry, does that answer your question? Yes, thank you. said that the Antichrist was born at 63. And the waiting grew up to get the, the, the age of our Lord Jesus Christ. 30. 30. Yeah, 30. He's still growing. That's right. He's still growing. He's still not here. And I, um, I, I must admit that in my beginning of my more ignorant years, I mean, I'm not ignorant now, but in those years I was even more ignorant, and um, I used to read, you know, I used to read books and speak to people, you know, went overseas a lot, things like that. And I came across a lot of these things. You know, I was in a monastery with a, with a man. I won't, I won't mention your name. I'm not putting the man down. I'm just saying that this man was in this monastery from very young. I think he was there for 60 years. He was about 90 or more. Um, I think he's still alive maybe now. He's over 100. And he actually um, was there. And some, some guy came to become a monk at that monastery. Came with his bag. And he goes, I'm here to stay. I want to become a monk. Which he did later on. That's okay. And he said, the Antichrist has been born. No, no, sorry, it wasn't the Antichrist. Um, Prophet Elias came. Prophet Elias is on earth and preparing the Christians. And the elder there was there, a man of prayer, undoubtedly a man of prayer, and to be able to stay where he was in the desert, in the desert he was, amongst, I mean, and there was all those um, people around them, the natives, um, Bedouins, I think they're called, who were very dangerous and they killed Orthodox again, Robin, all that. He lived there in that area. So he was a very faithful man. But he's, I was there, was sitting there and having our coffee. And the man was with his bag then. He goes, I'm here to stay. And he goes, and uh, there's a man who's um, telling people to be ready and this and this and that. And he says, I think it's Prophet Elias. And then the, the, the elder goes, Aftosine. That's him, Prophet Elias. What do I do? Am I obliged because he's been in the monastery for 60 years to believe that? Am I obliged to follow that? I can if I want. I don't. I prefer, I prefer to leave it. Let things occur. If you're leading an orthodox Christian life, now that man was a very simple man actually. I don't think he's in, he wasn't a theological person. He was a very spiritual man, but he wasn't a person who was um, well versed in a lot of things. I mean, I wasn't, so I am. But in general, we're not obliged to follow these things. And if we do, we can fall into deception. A few more questions, I think, and then we'll end. I'm not going to start. I want to start next week. Yes? Do you believe these mediums that report to talk to dead people, do you think that they themselves are deceived? They actually see, well, the dead person. Or do they actually know they're speaking to demons, yet they then just set out to perhaps make a business out of it? Some of them are false and don't speak to anyone, but they're in madness. Some of them are, have abilities, psychic abilities, and they are communicating with the spirits. Um, I don't think the majority of them know. They actually do believe that they are speaking to the dead people because the demons are deceiving them. 
And, um, and a lot of times, yes, the dead people can appear, as we know from those television shows, but it's the demons really appearing, making themselves look like your father or your mother, etc. Because as it says, St. Paul says, because even Satan can become an angel of light. So if Satan can form and become an angel of light, and we know from the Holy Fathers when we read the, the, a lot of the uh, monastic books that the uh, demons used to appear as Christ, the mother of God, saints, etc., and two people. I remember reading once in the Yerondikot uh, where it was um, some monk was deceived and he had someone, uh, the demon appeared to him and said to him, because you're so holy and you're so great, you go up to the um, mountain of Mount Athos, which is the peak. Go up there and I'll tell you what to do. I can't remember exactly the story, but along the lines of he went up there and he saw the whole vision of all these saints and they were telling him to step out in, onto the air. In other words, they wanted to kill him. And just as he was ready to do that, as I said, it could, it could be stories mixed up, but the, 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 the gist of the matter is that as he was looking and he was oh, overwhelmed, he noticed that he saw St. Spiridon. And St. Spiridon, as we know, traditionally is always in orthodox icons with a school school, like a flat one, like a woolen one, because he was a very simple person, he was a shepherd. And St. Spiridon had his um, skufa, if I remember. As he was looking at St. Spiridon, he noticed that there was two little... Um, bulges coming out of his um, skufa. And um, he realised... Oh, sorry, and he noticed as well that on the hands of saints, Bedilon in inverted commas, there was all hairs and long fingernails, etc., etc. And he realised that he had fallen into deception. And then they tried to drag him down. And, and these things do occur. And you might say, oh, that happened. That's not. It does occur even now. People have had um, encounters with those things. When you start playing, you know those UFO things that the supposedly... Um, the ETs and all these people come down and start to abduct people. A lot of them are abducted. And they are taken into flying saucers. They are taken into flying saucers. In their imagination. It's, but it's there. But they actually see it because the demons can make things occur. Can make things appear. So they're in a supposed flying saucer. And they've got these people that somehow every century they change. And sometimes they're short. Sometimes one eye. Sometimes two eyes. Sometimes three legs. They're all different shapes. Sometimes they jump up and down and... They've all got different ways of doing things. And those, they are just demons trying to make people believe that there's a higher power. Forget about Christ. Forget about the church. The answer is that the um, people from outer space are going to solve the problems of the earth. That's one of their um, reasons. Um, one priest actually said to me that um, he... Um, he watched E.T. with his daughter. And um, he said it was... I never, I never, I never watched those things. Uh, I don't like... For some reason, from young, I never liked science fiction. It doesn't mean I'm a virtuous person. I just don't like science fiction. The, 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 I think the closest I got to it was Lost in Space. So let's just say um, he, he said that he watched E.T. and that it's a good book, it's a good film and that he cried with his daughter. I'd rather waste my tears on sins, but not to waste my time on eating. It's an emotional movie. And so people are trying to say even that Harry Potter, that it's good to read it because it makes people read. There's all these nice things and that, that are coming across now, even within the Orthodox Church, even among some clergy that are saying, no, it's good because you, you, the children are reading. They can read. Some children read pornographic books. It doesn't mean they're going to say to them that. And other books... Some, people, some children are reading books on how to massacre and torment 
you know, and killings and things like that. Does that mean it because they're reading that it's good? Like these are stupid things. Because he cried with his daughter, what, we're all going to tell the children to go out and watch uh, E.T.? So, did that answer your question or didn't? Yeah. It, it, you've reminded me of something else mentioning the UFOs and that. Mm -hmm. In the recent supposed developments of all these planets and things found outside the solar system, these things that call these exoplanets, for example, which apparently is about 40 now also. Um, it, it then starts leading to very strange theories of well, are there other worlds? Did Christ have to go and save them too? Um, you know, there's a there's a new saying. Oh, it's not a saying. It's been around for a while. You know, university university results show such and such, and because it's university results or university experiments shown, because it's from university, we supposedly have to say and bow down and say it must be correct because it comes from the university. And yet there are so many people that have done research in university that were later on found out that that was false. So they make up things continually. And because people are pretty much stupid, we uh, tend to believe a lot of these things that are coming out. So that's not hard for someone to make up that... Um, and, they, and they make it up with such evidence. Like I said, about, for example, that medium, the guy that went into that area... And he said all those things, that this is where the women were and they were working. So, and it sounds believable. All because a scientist says it, and all because a doctor says it. You know, like, breastfeeding is good, breastfeeding is bad. So for many years, probably a lot of us, we weren't breastfed because though in those days they were saying, no, breastfeeding is not, no, not, not good. Now, after decades of that stupidity, now they're starting to say breastfeeding is good. You know, don't eat too many eggs because it's got cholesterol. Now they're saying, no, but that cholesterol is not the bad, good that, that's good cholesterol. Now you can have eggs. You know, so it changes continually. Theory, exercise, the GI diet. And then it's the low carb. Then it's the high protein. And then it's this and it's that. And it's just continual. And then Freudian psychology is good when you sit down and say, no, that's no good because you're going to do cognitive therapy. Or you've got to do um, other type of therapy with Prozac or this or Zoloft and all these other types of things that are going on. So the theories are ever-changing. The only place the theories don't ever change is in the Orthodox Church. The teachings are there, but we have to look for it. They're beautifully set out without change. That's an authority. So the Catholics, I look up for one thing. When, they, when their Pope speaks, a lot of them, they say, you know, he spoke. And they look up to him because he's the... You know, and we don't look up to the Pope because we don't recognise him. However, it's the same type of thing. We as Orthodox have to look up to the church and follow what the church says and listen to the church through the teachings of the saints, the fathers of the church, the synods, etc., the gospels. Then we are safe. That's what I'm trying to say. But all these books, what's saying that you've done? I mean, look, like for example, that one there. I'm not saying that you shouldn't read, not about rabbits, but about money and rights. Yeah, it's got rental car traps, people rent cars. There's nothing wrong with that. Kickstart your superannuation. People got superannuation. Is that a sin? No. Car insurance ratings and debt collection rights and mortgage brokers. Promising myth or magic, right? So, is anything wrong with that? No. And they've got the computers. I mean, people buy computers. They've got computers. They need to know things. You've got all about LCD. And then you've got the publishing software. And you've got scams. And you've got spam. And you've got spaghetti. I don't know what they've got. Everything in there. Got everything in there. So... There's nothing wrong with those things, but it's a 
very, very big sin if we're really that to find out about life, but we're not finding out about our orthodox faith, which a lot of things in these things like here. Dr. Phil. Now, Dr. Phil, you know, he helps a lot of people, yes. But he doesn't talk about salvation. And he doesn't talk about Christ. And he's got some strategies, I mean, but why read it? Why, read, why should I or you read Dr. Phil? Do what works to what matters. And it's been endorsed by Oprah. If Oprah says it, and I've noticed this, if Oprah says it, we listen. You know, I've got to the stage, which is wrong, I've got to the stage where I have to say, uh, for example, I'd say, I think that um, kids should not be taken to preschool, they should be with their mothers for the number of years. People just... <laughs> Oprah says it. Really? Because Oprah said it. <laughs> you know, Oprah said it. She's the authority. The church is not an authority anymore. We shouldn't have let our children um, read books in the schools on same, same gender, whatever, um, unions related to that. And people just go like that. John Laws is against it. John Laws is against it. I'm not going to let my kid watch it because John Laws has said it. And how sad he's going to retire soon and where are we going to get our information now? I'm not saying that he hasn't done some good things and he's you know, made some... You know, well, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, why as Orthodox Christians do we have to have these people as an authority? You know, you should love your wife. The face just drops. Dr. Phil says you have to love your wife. I'm going to love her now. <laughs> because Dr. Phil said it. So I think that we are stupid. Um, we've lost ourselves a bit and we have to come back to the teachings of the Orthodox Church, which has those things. That's it. One last question. Yes? It's not like that significant, but about you saying magic is bad to try black magic, white magic, whatever. Even to read it. Yeah, even to read it. What about, like, say, if you go to see a magician perform a magic trick, you know that he's, they're just techniques that make, um, like, like fireworks, that make kind of, you know, wow kind of things. Is it still okay to watch When you take things? children to watch those things, it, it, it's a stepping stone. For example, in my time, before you were born, in, you know, those who are older here, you know, the, some of the shows that were around in those days was Bewitched, for example, about, you know, she was a witch and she was married to a, a mother type of stuff and her mother was a horrible witch and, and um, then that, their baby was a witch and, you know, and it was just like kids and people were saying um, and people were saying uh, oh it's only a child, children's show and then there were some Protestants maybe some Orthodox that were saying this is bad it's bad it's bad and people were saying no it's not no it's not no it's not you know it's just a, it's just a show it's a make believe and this and that however from that was a stepping stone like the Beatles the Beatles in, the, in those days one could say that it's like Romperu I mean, I would, you know, help, we need somebody, and you know, other things that they sang. And yet, and yet from then on, you know, people were upset about them. Their hair, the way they acted, Elvis Presley, his pelvic movements, etc., etc. People say, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is this, this is that. And people were saying, no, 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 it's just a young thing. But look how it's progressed within 40 years or more, how it's progressed. So, 
as, an, as a monk, I would say to you, I would never allow the kids to go and see those shows because it promotes um, interest in those things. Now, there are some priests who will say that there's something wrong with me. That's wrong. There's nothing wrong. You know, what's wrong with kids, you know, reading Harry Potter? Or what's wrong with kids reading some things or those type of fantasies and all that? The whole Orthodox Church's teaching is about fantasy. The whole fathers of the church is how to eliminate the fantasy from ourselves. And when we put a child in front of the TV at six months old, you know, and they're watching like that. This woman here said to me, she goes to a place and that the, the lady says, oh, she puts the child in front of the TV at six months old because it, it's learning and it keeps quiet. So the child's like a zombie looking at the things on the TV. That child is being cultivated in fantasy. Kids that go through that end up, end, end up quite ill. Now you might say, oh, that's a very harsh statement. It is a harsh statement and I stick to it. it and it's actually... Oh, the authority again. It's actually been shown now that a lot of um, doctors, so we can prick our ears up because the doctor said it, and a lot of um, professors, then our ears go even more, that they say that, you know, children watching TV... I mean, I used to say for years... And I had a lot of problems, even from clergy. They would say, you, that's silly what you're saying. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. It's educational. They learn, and what are you going to do? And close the kids off from society, etc., etc. And um, even as St. John of Cronstein said, that watching plays on, on, um, on stage is forbidden for Christians because they learn passions. And he's talking about adults. If he said that about, he actually said, no Christians to go to those things because from there you learn passion. You know, they show hate and, and lust and all this stuff. So, you know, Cronstan said that before the TV came about. And now how much more for the young kids that don't even have a mind to, to know what's going on? Those kids do become sick. And I, and I do believe that a lot of schizophrenia today does has its roots, the fantasy, which is promoted from the TV. And they're starting to see that now. Now, I've got to say that because, unfortunately, you know, no one's going to believe this. I've got to use anything that I can. Even if I have to use Dr. Phil, I will use it if it means that people will stop subjecting their children to these horrible things. Okay. Today, today on the news, the doctor said that drinking too much is bad for your brain. But when the church said it, and who's the church to get in? Radhika said that the doc, I said on the TV, was it? Radio? That drinking too much is bad for the brain. But the church has always been against over excessive drinking, etc., etc. The church has given teachings about, about what to do with the sexual things. The church has been given about relationships, all those type of things. It's always been there. But no one wants to listen. But if they say it, then we might listen. And unfortunately, well, if I have to do that, I'll do it. I'll do anything to, to uh, that because I've seen it. When you deal with people one-on-one, -on -one, especially in confession, when the person opens up their soul and you see what goes on in there, it takes, sometimes it takes a few years. But when they open up, they open up a world whereby they are very affected and a lot of it goes back to the TV. They will say, I saw that on the TV, I saw that, and I saw that, and I thought that, and I did this. And people that are very self-conscious, they don't even know how to act. It's all because they're watching these things on the TV, which is not even reality. So, but I think, you know, it's good to listen to these things a little bit, you know, but the main thing is stick to the church, 
close to the church, the fathers of the church, the lives of saints, etc. So next week, God willing, I not next week, next month, the first Tuesday, I will begin the life of St. Cyprian and Justina. And to see, now I'll read the, some of the prayer, and you will be shocked at, you know, um, exactly what he had the ability to do. Change weather, etc., etc. A lot of things. Destroy, move here and there, etc. These things that, and we think, oh, my child's watching Harry Potter, oh, isn't that cute, he's watching Harry Potter, and it's like it's that. Not knowing that she herself admitted, as you'll read in the as you read in that pamphlet, the woman who wrote it says that 30% or more of her book is actually taken from occult books. That's not awful. That's just gone beyond. But I will read that and you'll be quite shocked how much you will learn just by listening to that, to, to that life of saint. An icon of Saint Kiprian Nistina for you to take. Pray to them and then next, next month... Hopefully, you'll come to listen to the life, to listen to their life, which is really, really uh, a marvellous life. It's one of the best accounts of sorcery in the Orthodox Church. And, um, yes, so then we'll stand over here, and then you'll be taking these pamphlets, one of each, whoever's interested. And just because some of you... um, uh, are a bit unaware of. In the Orthodox Church is traditional. When a priest or a bishop gives something to the person, we always take and we kiss the hand of the clergyman. I have to educate as well because a lot of people you see, you know, the priest can give the censor and they don't even they don't even know what's going on or it's just a bit of ignorance and we are obliged to teach. And the teaching is as follows that if we want to be an Orthodox Christian, we have to follow the tradition. As Father Augustinus, Metropolitan of Florina, said in his books, The Holy Father, he said, if you're coming along the road and you see an angel on one side of the road and a priest on the other side of the road, who do you go to to get a blessing? The angel or the priest? And the answer is, according to the Holy Orthodox Church's teaching, is the priest and much more the bishop. So... This is the teaching. So when you come, the bishop will give you that. And if you want to receive the blessing, you can. If you don't, you don't have to. But that's just so, just so that you know that's the teaching of the church. So uh, that's it. And um, thanks um, for um, attending. I hope that uh, people learnt. And I thank Pradika for the um, prayers that to commence this um, holy work. And I... Also, especially um, thank Father Alexander the priest, who, from his zeal um, to have the word of God preached, that he actually gave us um, the use of his church and the and the hall, so this can be done. And that speaks a lot about his you know, apostolic zeal. Next month, I'm going to do the service of the holy water at around seven o'clock. For those that want, if you can get here, and then at 7.30 sharp to start the talk. I will try, as my health permits, to do a little service every month before the talk. The one after that, hopefully, we'll do the, the canon, um, like a short Malebim, to St. Cyprian and Justina the month after that, because we would have already read a lot of the same. Okay. Uh
Thank you very much, Father. I'm sure you've all enjoyed your talk immensely. Uh, because it's all very relevant because it pertains to our life. So thank you very much. And I hope everyone will come next time and tell your friends, everybody, to, uh, to come to these talks.